Hi, I'm Vince Mickens with the Private Air Media Group. Welcome to a very special podcast edition of All Things Aviation and Aerospace. Produced on location at what is described as the greatest celebration of aviation on the planet. The Experimental Aircraft Association's annual EAA Air Venture at Whitman Regional Airport in Oshkosh, Wisconsin. Now, many of you may have experienced at one time or another attending a state fair or festival with lots of good food, fun rides, cool animals, and bunches of people. Well, picture this. Picture aircraft instead of the animals. Picture actual airplane and helicopter rides instead of carnival rides. We're talking thousands of airplanes, thousands of campers, enough tents to fill a fulfillment center, enough RVs to start a dealership, and enough people in the course of a week to populate a small country. Hey, no exaggeration. EAA Air Venture draws over 600,000 aviation enthusiasts annually, all converging on the small but very friendly host city of Oshkosh, Wisconsin. It has just a population of 70,000 or so. Given its magnitude, attendance, and scope, it is without a doubt the perfect, what I like to describe as, aviation inspiration incubator for nurturing the future of aviation. For the last 70-plus years, EAA's Air Venture, which was built on the foundation of home-built aircraft gatherings, provides the ultimate in aviation-oriented resources for learning any and everything anyone could ever want to know about the aviation industry. Besides the air shows daily, the nighttime air shows, the over 3,000 show planes on display, and the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of presentations, workshops, forums, and a slew of other aviation activities, my biggest enjoyment is actually having the chance to talk in this environment with companies like Airbus Americas and Delta Airlines about aviation career possibilities, aviation career opportunities, and quite frankly, all things aviation and aerospace. So here I am at the Airbus Pavilion, which has a fantastic view of the air shows, by the way, as I sit down with four very inspiring aviation industry professionals to get their take on what lies ahead, but more importantly, what is accessible now and how to inspire the next generation of aspiring young aviators. Now I have with me uh, Captain Patrick Burns. Pat is the Vice President of Flight Ops, and he is a System Chief Pilot for Delta Airlines. Pat, welcome. Thank you, Vince. I'm glad to be here. Uh, hope you're having fun at Oshkosh this year. Having a ball and loving the weather. You know, it's a little cooler, uh, so it's a little more tolerable, but it's great. How about yourself? I'm having a great time. First time here, uh, it's one of those, you know, bucket list uh, items for any av geek like myself and you, I know. Uh, but, you know, it's a great reason to come this year, uh, representing Delta Airlines and bringing that awesome 330 Neo in with us. I know. Isn't it an amazing show? It's crazy. Uh, I think I've walked a thousand miles already, and I've seen and heard of airplanes I never knew existed. It's, it's, it's amazing. Yeah, and this is about my tenth time here, and, and my legs are hurting already from, from being all over the place. Um, Pat, I appreciate you taking the time to, to uh, join the show and to talk about some things. 
So you're Vice President of Flight Ops and System Chief Pilot. So why don't you tell us a little bit about what you do and what that means uh, for Delta? Certainly. Uh, so my role as System Chief Pilot is um, you know, we've, got, uh, we've got pilot bases throughout the country, and each of those bases has a chief pilot. And those chief pilots kind of roll up in an organizational structure that ultimately gets to me. So uh, my role is to support and lead the almost 14,000 pilots at Delta Airlines and the leadership structure that supports them. From an FAA perspective, and an you know, 119, uh, FAR 119, I am the designated uh, airline chief pilot as well. So there's a role uh, specifically for 121 operators that I fill. Uh, in my shop is also a quality assurance and compliance, uh, pilot selection, development, so hiring pilots all rolls up under my shop as well. Uh, we coordinate safety programs uh, through my shop. Uh, line operations, so moving airplanes block to block throughout the system, throughout the world, rolls up under my shop as well. So. Uh, I got some things to do. Uh, yeah, you're just a little busy. You know, one of the things that uh, we try to do with the show is really uh, let people know of the opportunities and that type of thing. And with you being on the flight ops side, obviously we're going to talk about the pilot aspect of things. But you guys have a great program called Propel. Uh, and actually, I've had the pleasure of, of touring the facility. I was telling you about that for a couple of days uh, at Delta headquarters and also talking with uh, Kelvin Mason uh, about the Propel program and, and some of the other things. And I've talked to uh, some of the other uh, Delta staff about what you guys do. Can you um, tell us uh, in terms for, for young people that are interested in aviation and they're, they're at various points, they're either interested and they're trying to figure out how to get in or they're kind of in it because they've already gone to school for it. And now they're trying to figure out what to do next. You d you've dealt with all and you deal with all of that. Can you kind of give some perspective? Sure. The, it is a it is an amazing time right now to get into a career in aviation. And again, as chief pilot of Delta Airlines, I'm focused on you know the flying operation and the pilots. But aviation as a career is almost boundless. I mean, if you, if you select a career objective, you can probably find that at Delta Airlines meteorologists, you know, legal, finance, marketing, veterinary science, there's a lot to do. Now again, I am hiring a lot of pilots, uh, you know, looking forward to this pivot from recovery to growth and then funding that, that, that forward-looking growth as well as our, you know, um, attrition that, that, you know, scheduled attrition for age 65. So all of those things present a lot of opportunity. Uh, and what I look for, quite honestly, uh, is, uh, is a complete package. And, and I'll tell you what I mean by that. Uh, I'll meet I'll meet a thousand pilots a day if I if I can that all have a lot of hours in their logbook and a lot of certificates in their pocket, and so how you make yourself look different beyond that technical skill is what I'm really interested in because what Delta Airlines is looking for are fantastic employees as well as the best pilots on the planet, and so all those things that kind of define who you are uh, with um, respect to things like leadership positions. You, know, you take the opportunity to do something beyond building you know, flight time. And, and what we do is, is hard, and what we do to get to where we want to be is hard. It takes up a lot of time. So if you can carve out and find a way to do something beyond that, that really stands out for me when I look at an application or have a conversation with a, with a you know, pilot who's interested in getting to, to Delta Airlines. And so for me, that's a big thing is look beyond the stick and rudder. That's really important. You have to have some of that stuff. But what, what else makes you a person? Uh, because that's really interesting to me. And all of our paths are unique. Uh, there's not one path. You don't have to do. You don't have to do my path. I'm a civilian trained pilot. We'll, we'll talk about how I got to where I am. Uh, but there's a lot of different ways. And so, however you choose to do it, be the best at whatever you are doing at the time. 
one of the greatest compliments I got to tell you uh, that I ever received was from a supervisor I had a long time ago when I was cleaning airplanes for Delta Airlines. And uh, after inspecting one of the labs I was cleaning, he said to me, you're going to be a great pilot one day. And I said, well, how do you know that? And he said, if, if you clean a bathroom that well, I know you're going to take something like flying as seriously as that. And so that resonated with me. And like I said, that's something I really want to share with anybody interested, and not just flying airplanes, but getting involved in aviation because it's a demanding and dynamic industry. And if you can focus on being the best at whatever it is, that next step is going to follow. Yeah, that's a great message that, you, that you're saying. Uh, and it's amazing that you come from that background where you've literally worked your way up uh, to, to get where you are. Uh, explains a lot. And I just met you. So <laughs> um, let's talk about Propel. I mean, you were talking about pathways and, and, and the various pathways. And, and you guys came up with Propel, which is a, a, a great program and, and obviously a very necessary program as the demand for uh, getting pilots into the system increases. Yeah, and Propel is an evolution. Um, we started Propel a number of years ago uh, with, uh, I think it was uh, eight uh, university partners originally. Uh, Propel right now has a couple of legs in the, in the Propel stool. Uh, we're up to 14 or 15 university partners right now. So reaching out throughout the university system with really great partners uh, helps us cast a wide net um, not only to get qualified pilots, but like I was saying a little bit earlier, going through programs that we like and respect and know that um, the you know, core principles and foundational things, not just education-wise, but from an individual, integrity, you know, respect, perseverance, all those types of things, that's the product we're getting from our, our university partners. We also have one of the other legs of the stool is an internal program that's propelled for Delta employees. So, uh, and, I, and I'm raising my hand, you can't see it on, on this audio, but I was one of those folks that just wanted to be near an airport as I was building my flight time. So there's a lot of people just like me that are in, the, in this business, and we want to make an opportunity for them if they're interested in getting into the flight deck, um, where they can remain at Delta. We provide an opportunity for them to leave uh, work for a little while to get the necessary hours. You guys have some great stories with that, too. Recently, you had a flight attendant who uh, finally got accepted in the program, and she's on her way to being a pilot. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And our, our actually our very first internal, actually I, I think he was our first overall Propel uh, pilot, was hired earlier this year, uh, was an internal uh, Propel candidate, and successful uh, in everything he was doing. And uh, I met him the day he got hired, and we had a, I embarrassed him a little bit in front of the rest of the class, but. Of course you did. I know, right? <laughs> but yeah, it's, it, like I said, um, you know, this opportunity should be available to anybody who's interested in doing it. Uh, you have to do all the things that are required, certainly by the FAA, and you have to meet Delta's hiring standards. You know, again, we want the best and the brightest, but this should be available to anybody interested in doing it. Uh, and Propel's designed to expand those opportunities. We're working on evolving Propel even more beyond the university program, beyond the internal program, uh, to something else that we'll hopefully share a little bit soon. Yeah, that sounds good. Well, while we have a few more minutes, uh, how about you tell us a little bit about how you got into aviation? You mentioned earlier that you, you worked your way up the ladder, but how did it all start for you, and when did Delta come into the picture? I was one of those lucky kids that always knew what I wanted to do. Um, but it's funny because I hear a lot of people say the same thing. I didn't know how to get from where I was, you know, in any part of my youth to flying airplanes, and I thought military was the only path. And so that was my initial plan, was to go through the military. My eyes didn't meet early 80s military standards, uh, and I thought my career, my flight dream was over until I, for the first time I ever, stepped into my uh, guidance counselor's uh, office, and he opened the door and said, hey, no, you can do all these other things. And so he connected me with a couple of universities, 
which I applied to. And I attended Embry-Riddle uh, University out in Prescott, Arizona. Of course you did. Right. Uh, but I was also in a, um, a difficult position financially where I couldn't afford flight training and college, especially you know in a private school. Fantastic university, but it was beyond my financial means. And so uh, I tell people this all the time, I was smart enough to know that if I had quit college and gone to flight school, I'd never go back to college. So I had to park flying, and I finished my degree at Embry-Riddle, and I started flying afterward. What did you study, by the way? So I initially was in or the, the professional flight, right, which was uh, aeronautical science. Uh, and then I went to an aviation management degree, thinking I'd never use an aviation management degree. And here I am, vice president of flight operations, right? So I graduated, uh, had a really good uh, experience uh, with Embry-Riddle. But again, I wanted to be near an airport, near the smell of jet fuel, uh, to stay focused and stay motivated. So I applied for a position in Philadelphia, uh, which is near where I'm from, and I got hired on the ramp in Philly. Uh, and that was in uh, 1989. And so I started there, and Philadelphia was small enough uh, where after learning you know, all I needed to you know, learn or all I learned on the ramp, worked with the station leadership, and they put me on the ticket counter and the gates and baggage service. Wow, so you did it all. A little bit of everything, yeah. And then eventually I went into cabin service and cleaned airplanes for a year, year and a half, all, the whole time building flight time. Uh, I transferred out of Philly down to Dallas, and I ended up working in the reservation sales office in Dallas, you know, selling tickets. Did a little bit of marketing support, and I, I finally got to the point where I had more time. Uh, I had more flying available than there was time of the day. So I reluctantly had to leave Delta in the mid-'90s. Again, this is where Propel comes in, because if there was Propel, I could take that propel break and come back. But I had to leave Delta, I, I, and very typical kind of a civilian route for me. I flight instructed after getting my 250-something hours. I flew 135 freight, and then I got hired by a regional uh, airline uh, for the TWA system back in the mid-'90s. You're telling on yourself now. I know, right? <laughs> TWA, flying freight, <laughs> probably bank checks. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and a lot of bodily fluids, too. So um, I reapplied um, and got hired back uh, into flight operations in, uh, in early 1999 as an engineer on the 727 and then progressed from there to the right seat on the 72 and then I flew the 737 for 10 years or so, 7576 and eventually upgraded to captain on the 717 which I still fly today. I love that airplane. Um, and my management career started off because somebody back in my reservation sales days and marketing days recognized my name post 9-11 and asked me to talk to some um, uh, corporate sales uh, you know, and marketing folks to help corporate travel come back post 9-11. They wanted to talk to operators. So I did that for a little while, and the chief pilot in New York asked me to interview uh, for an assistant chief pilot job in New York, and that was back in 2004, I think it was. And that's how I got involved you know, in, in management. My whole goal in life was to get to a major airline, and then, and then all of a sudden I'm an assistant chief pilot, and a number of steps along the way, I've been in my role now as chief pilot of the airline for about three and a half years. Yeah, that, that, as we wrap up, that really brings uh, things to, to fruition on this because, you know, um, one of the hardest things to get the younger generation to understand is no matter what you're doing, uh, you know, in your case you were doing it in the airline, but it wasn't really, it, it leads to other opportunities that you may not have ever thought, you know. So you're, it, as, it goes back to the quality of the employee that you're talking about. You obviously were doing things that was impressing somebody because if it wasn't, then all of the things you just said wouldn't have happened. So I, I just uh, let me let you close it out with uh, your final thoughts and recommendations. Well, I, I want to just kind of add on to that, Vince, what you just said there. Um, it doesn't matter what you do in a lot of ways, right? I, I don't care if you're cleaning airplanes or managing a car wash. Be the best car wash person they've ever seen. Just kill it. 
part of that is you're going to be good at what you do, and people are going to recognize that, but it also drives you to be the best you can be no matter what it is. So don't think for a minute that you're going to be professional when you get to an airline if you're not professional on your way, right? And the other thing I really want to impress upon everybody is enjoy the journey. Whether you're flight instructing, towing banners, whatever it is, uh, military route, any other career in aviation, enjoy the ride because it's a fun ride. And, it, and it's hard work, but it's a fun ride, so enjoy it so that when you get to whatever dream job you think you want to have, you're going to enjoy it even more. Couldn't have said it better. Thank you so much, Pat, for uh, joining me. Yeah, thank you for having me. Again, that was Captain Patrick Burns, the Vice President of Flight Operations and the System Chief Pilot for Delta Airlines. Pat was part of the Team USA flight that came in on the Airbus A33900neo, which was parked on the Boeing Plaza ramp for about a day and a half and marked Delta's inaugural visit in a unique and splashy sort of way here at EA Air Venture and was open for public tours. Talking about the Airbus A330 makes for a perfect segue to the world of Airbus engineering. Okay, we're here with John O'Leary, Vice President of Engineering for Airbus Americas. John, how are you? Doing well, Vince. It's a great show. You having a good time? I'm having a great time. It's great to see you again. You were uh, here last year and, and on all things aviation and aerospace, and it was really good to, uh, to chat with you then, along with Amanda and, and Jeff Niddle. Um, so, you know, we try to... Uh, do what we can to inspire the up-and-coming generation, next generation. They've got all kinds of, we call it everything, our future, <laughs> uh, to get into uh, the industry, but to let them know about the different opportunities that are there. You and I have had some real interesting conversations, so I thought we could start out by updating me as to the programs that you're currently involved with and that are currently involved with Airbus, uh, and tell us a little bit more about that. You bet, Vince. Um, there's two programs in particular that we're engaged with. One is out of FlightWorks Alabama, and within that organization, they have a program called We Build It Better, which is aimed at middle school students, really is aimed at getting kids over a one-year program engaged with the physical world, if you will. It's about problem-solving, teamwork, but also gets them engaged with the, the hands-on tools that you need to build something micrometers, steel rulers, figuring out fractions, and just working back and forth. So that's one really excellent program that's aimed at middle school students, been very successful, and is in probably eight different states now. The other team that we work with, we've worked with for about five years, and that's Tango Flight. And Tango Flight does a high school airplane build program where they, uh, they build an RV-12, and the, the challenge is you build it, you fly it. So it's really aimed at sophomore through seniors type level. The thing is, what we really like about these two partnerships is both of them have figured out how to engage the K-12 through system. So they come into the school system not just with a bunch of information, but rather a structured program that says, here's a curriculum, here's a courseware, and we'll also train your educators and help them get familiar with it and get comfortable with it, and then guide them through the education process. We find that that's extremely successful. Rather than being a short-fused, four-hour conversation, it extends over a year or two years or multiple years. Yeah, that's great. So how do you uh, get the, for these programs, how do you get the kids uh, involved or interested in it? We rely on the schools to do that. Uh, we don't try to set any kind of necessary criteria. Uh, what we find is that once the kids get hands-on and they see what they're doing, they real, the enthusiasm just builds very quickly. It's, it's a lot of things that are new to them. I, and this is going to sound like I'm you know the old fart that I am, but... They've done so much virtually 
that now they're getting hands-on and touching things in a physical environment, and it's a whole different, uh, whole different feel for them. Yeah, I can join you in the old fart club because that goes back to what we used to call industrial arts, right? There you go. It was the old shop class. The old shop class, yeah, exactly. But the hands-on, as you said, uh, there really isn't any uh, replacement for that. I mean, that's and and I've seen the excitement uh, from the aircraft, the RV-12, being built, and the, some people that were here last year that were involved with that, and just how uh, excited they are. On that note. Um, this usually ends up leading to what, from what you can see, as far as their growth into aviation. What we found, especially with the RV-12 build program, we've seen some of the students go on either into, into the military, straight into business and the, the business of aviation, or go on to a four-year school. Uh, one of the young ladies that we first took flying uh, about five years ago is now a fatigue and damage tolerance engineer, I'll just say at a local Wichita company, not at Airbus yet. But, uh, yeah, we've seen a number of students just move into aviation. And the common theme is we had no idea that there was so much you could do in aviation. Because when you think about aviation, you think, well, I'm not sure I want to be a pilot. But there's a lot inside the business of aviation that goes beyond being a pilot or a technician or an engineer. Absolutely. And that brings to the point that the um, various opportunities in the industry that most we hear about being a pilot, you know, which is great. Uh, and we, we hear about being an AMP, air, airframe and power plant, but we don't hear about all the other things that are part of that or are an extension of that, et cetera. Oh, you're right. If you look around this pavilion, we have communication professionals, we have some lawyers, we have uh, supply chain management folks, procurement folks, customer support, just a huge background. That They're not all coming out of a four-year technical school. Uh, and that's we need every bit of that to keep the industry going. Yeah, I'm looking forward to interviewing a couple of the newbies, I call them. They're fairly new with Airbus, uh, and they're just getting started. And when I asked them what they did, I, I kind of I thought, oh, wow, okay, that's cool. You know, they, it was something different, procurement or whatever the case may be. So um, I can't uh, not chat with you a little bit about your background because you, you have been in this uh, for a long time, uh, and, and we've talked about it before, but what what inspired you to go the direction that you have in terms of engineering? Like many folks that are kind of in our generation, at least for me, it was the Apollo program, going to the moon. You know, I was 12 years old or whatever. I looked up at the moon and said, well, I'm going to do that. I, you know, heck, that's I want to be an astronaut. And, uh, and I had already loved the idea of flying and loved aviation. But it was the Apollo program that really inspired me to say, that's what I want to do. And then from there, it just, just went from there. And on that note, what do you think of, because it seems like we're in another cycle with space exploration, with SpaceX and, and uh, Blue Origin and uh, Virgin Galactic and the, and the beat goes on. And what do you think about those? Do you, do you agree with me? Do you think it's, it's kind of cyclical? It's coming back again? Because we haven't seen this kind of a surge, in my opinion, since the 60s. You know, and that's part of the story we got to tell. Um, it's, it's not the giant... Everybody's focused on putting somebody on the moon, although I think we are going back there. But it is the breadth of things that are going on with urban mobility, with uh, drone technology, AI, just an entire suite of technologies that are continuing to grow. And really, it's, it's, it's kind of another golden age of aviation that's beginning to kick off. Yeah, as an engineer, that must be exciting for you, the way Airbus is a future-thinking company and is, is always looking ahead at at what's going to be down the road 10, 20, 30 years from now. That's exactly right. Just as Guillaume has said uh, many times when he talks about sustainability, 
and what we're going to do on the next program. He likens it back to the 1980s when we said, well, we're going to do fly-by-wire. Uh, nobody else was doing that. They thought it was a crazy idea. Well, now we're looking at what's the next really sustainable answer. If it's SAF, if it's uh, all of the above, if it's hydrogen, if it's electric, we're going down all the paths and exploring it all, going to high altitude to understand what happens in the contrail if we're dumping uh, hydrogen exhaust, you know, moisture, into, doing every bit of that. Uh, the Perland project that we've got here at the booth, it's about that, exploring the upper atmosphere. What's the impact on the environment of aviation? How do we move people? So it is, the company is continuing to stay very much engaged in everything forefront of aviation. You've been around the block a few times as we kind of wrap up. What recommendations do you have? For example, with this program that you have, the We Build It Better uh, for the middle school kids, et cetera, if you were talking to them, if you were in front of them right now, what would you tell them? I would say, first of all, do what you find what is what, what that you want to do. Explore different options, different opportunities, look around. It might be in aviation, it might be someplace else. Work hard, get an education, because uh, you're going to be working for the next 50 years and you're going to want to love what you're doing. Yeah, you're not going to want it to feel like work. <laughs> exactly right. Well, John, it's been a pleasure to have you uh, on again and talk with you about this. And it sounds like you guys have some great programs, and I just love your enthusiasm, too. Vince, thank you very much. It's always a pleasure to talk with you, and hope to see you again in the future. Absolutely. Well, let's enjoy the show, um, you guys. As a matter of fact, the one aircraft you're talking about is going to be flying today, right? Uh, the Perlan's going to fly today. That's exactly right. I, I don't know what the show is going to look like. I think they drag it up to a few thousand feet, let it go, and do some passes. And then we'll have it here on the booth right next to the RV-12. Oh, fun. I look forward to that. Well, thanks a lot, John. All right. Thanks, Vince. Once again, that was John O'Leary, the Vice President of Engineering for Airbus Americas, sharing a lot of valuable information about the Tango Flight 1 RV-12 project involving high school students building a full-size two-seat flyable airplane and the FlightWorks Alabama initiative, We Build It Better, designed to get middle schoolers engaged in introductory aspects of airplane construction. All of this, of course, leads to my next conversation about research and technology. So we have Amanda Simpson, Vice President of Research and Technology, Airbus Americas. Amanda, how are you? Hey, I'm great. It's a beautiful afternoon here in Oshkosh, so what's, what could be better? So you were talking to me about something that's pretty exciting. Of course, you know what we do, and this is to, to really inspire the next generation uh, in terms of opportunities for them in the industry and take it beyond, you know, being a pilot's cool. I'm a pilot, you know. Mechanics, great, A&P, but there's so many other things. And, you know, you're in research and technology, and you were telling me about some pretty exciting projects that, that you're involved with. And can you tell us a little bit about that and then put it in terms of the opportunities for somebody that's saying, hey, I, I might want to work for Airbus, and, you know, what could I do? You know, one of the things I, I go back to is our company purpose, which is, um, we pioneer sustainable aerospace for a safe and united world. And, and you think about those 10 words, and right up front is pioneer. We have been an innovator in the aerospace sector since pretty much the day the company was founded 50 years, a little over 50 years ago now. And the second is sustainable. And sustainability is becoming a big buzzword in the industry now. We've been looking at it for quite some time. It's picking up the momentum and what we're working on, whether it's you know using new fuels in the aircraft that we have so that we reduce the carbon impact uh, in, on a life scale, uh, or 
looking at all electric aircraft, advanced air mobility, and, and, and exciting things like that, or the future fuels like hydrogen, uh, whether they're going to be combusted in engines or uh, through fuel cells converted to electricity to drive large motors, and scaling all that up to be really industrial and commercial so that we can get those things into operation so that the aerospace industry can be net carbon zero by 2050. And we think about how, oh, 2050, that's forever from now. Not really. Not in this industry, it's not. You know, development timelines, certification issues, these are long-range things that we're working on. So, you know, you talk about opportunities. The number of engineers and researchers that we have working around the globe, particularly here in the U.S., on some very interesting topics that are going to be the, the keystones the, the bricks that we're going to use to build the next generation of airliners. It's the time, well, airliners and helicopters and all the things that we do, it's the time not to make incremental change, but to make that revolutionary step in what's going to be the, the next generation. And there's some really exciting stuff going on. Yeah, that's great, too, because, um, you know, it, it, it shows that Airbus is very conscious about our future and and what that holds for all of us here on the planet. You were mentioning something about um, one of the projects that you're working on is, is de dealing, I, I would say, with atmospheric science. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about that? Well, sure. Well, sure. Um, you know, this matter of fact, this afternoon here, we're going to have a, a flyby, the first public flight demonstration of our Perlin 2 glider, which, you know, some people remember a few years ago set the world altitude record for sustained flight at 76,214 feet. I think, don't quote me on that. It's very high, 124 feet, whatever it is, higher than the U-2 flies. And they did it without an engine, which is awesome. But the, the key is they're working and collecting data at a part of our atmosphere and not having an engine on board, they can get absolutely clean, credible data at, at these altitudes to understand more what's going on with the ozone layer, what's going on uh, at the border of the troposphere and, the, and our atmosphere. Um, what are the impacts of, of climate change? So that, I mean, that's one issue. That's then, a pretty big team. Go ahead. Oh, no, go ahead. No, I was just going to say it's a pretty big team working on something like that, that there's so many different aspects of that in terms of disciplines that would apply. Right. And, and so, you know, next year they're, they're going to go for their, uh, they're going to try for 90,000 feet. So that's their next summer's goal. And yeah, it's a, it's a dedicated team that designed an aircraft that can fly at 90,000 feet without a pilot. Um, so there, I mean, there's the whole thing. And then we're taking that crew with that expertise and applying it to understanding. So what happens when you do use an engine at some of these altitudes. So we have a project that we just announced called Blue Condor. We have a, a pair of identical gliders and we've equipped them with small turbine engines. One of them uh, is gonna run on kerosene, Jet A, that we use today. And the other one is being modified to burn hydrogen. And these two gliders, uh, which are currently uh, in, in Nevada, undergoing their testing and their uh, development, uh, will be uh, flown up in the Dakotas this winter to measure the difference of the emissions that are coming out of those. So what happens 
when you're bur- you know, we know a lot about when we're burning kerosene, but what happens when we burn hydrogen? We talk about that it's only going to have um, water vapor, but what other things might come out? Are we going to get any nitrous oxide because we're operating in a nitrogen-based atmosphere? But you know, is there going to be sulfur oxide? We don't think so. Um, what are what are the impacts on? Um, uh, are we going to actually create uh, more? Uh, you know, the impacts on, on contrails and cloud formation. So we're going to do those kind of experiments. And so you have data scientists, you have meteorologists, you have all these different sciences coming together to do an evaluation so that we can understand what's really happening on our planet so that as we're making the decisions that the engineers, that the designers, that the support technicians are going to use to design this next generation of aircraft, they have the real data the real information so that they can make in, you know, these informed choices to move forward. Sure. You know, I love the passion that you have for research and technology. Where did that come from? I know we've talked about it before, but that was a year ago. You know, I, I you know, that's a, that's a great question, Vincent. And I, you know, I get very passionate about things that I think are important. You know, aviation being one of those, you know, I have been a pilot. I've been in the aviation industry for, more than four decades, and just the opportunity to share that with other people and understand the impact that our industry has had on the culture of this planet, the bringing people together from around the world, economies that have flourished because of trade. I mean, it's an amazing thing, and to me, I think it's important, and why why shouldn't we be passionate about things that are important? What kind of encouragement and advice do you have to those who are interested in being involved in some of the things that you do uh, specifically for Airbus? I think sometimes people are frustrated because they want to, as an entry position, just get right into some of these capabilities. And people that are coming in the industry today, they're the ones who are going to be working on these projects in 5, 10, 15 years. So the idea of coming in and just doing something Uh, It's going to take everyone. Uh, I'm going to be giving a seminar, I think, later this week, where I talk about how this is a team sport. Sustainability is not one company. It's not just Airbus. It's an entire industry in cooperation with governments, in cooperation with our suppliers, in cooperation. It's going to take everyone. So there's so many ways to participate in what is a very exciting process opportunity to, to really start planning and making a difference for our future. Uh, it's just people get involved, uh, follow passions, um, keep your eyes open for those opportunities that you may not have anticipated. And that's where I've gotten in my career. It's not always just accepting opportunities that come to you, but understanding when an opportunity is presented to you. As well said. Anything else as we wrap up? I mean, I you know, be yourself, be passionate about what's important, share that with others, and make a contribution to our to our planet and to our our lovely you know co-inhabitants. Thank you, Amanda. It's great to hang out with you again, and we'll be here all week and all things aviation here. All right. Well, thank you for having me. Absolutely.
That again was Amanda Simpson, the Vice President of Research and Technology for Airbus Americas. How exciting was that to hear her get so pumped up talking about creating a sustainable future in aviation? Good stuff. It's one thing to talk with these seasoned veterans and gain such great insight for aviation career possibilities and opportunities. But what I try to do when I can is have someone young and in the early stages of their career share their experiences and perspective. Thanks to Airbus, I can do that right now. So now we have uh, Jamie Daniela Garcia with us. She is an account director for Sat Air and based out of Miami. Sat Air is an Airbus company. And uh, Jamie, welcome to the show. Uh, hi, Vincent. Thank you very much for having me in your show. I'm excited. Absolutely. So, Jamie, um, one of the reasons I, I wanted to have you on is because you're on the younger end of the spectrum, I'll put it that way, in terms of, of being in this industry. And I think it's really important for the, for, for the audience, for all things aviation and aerospace, to hear from someone like you, your perspective. First of all, I, I, let's talk a little bit about your background and, and how you got into what you do kind of that conversation we had yesterday. Excellent. Uh, thank you. So let me start just um, telling you a little bit of my background. So I'm originally from Colombia, from a small town called Granada. I study aeronautical engineer. I, since I was little, I have a passion uh, about airplanes. I didn't know anything until I got to school. You studied it there in Colombia? Yes, I did. At the university there? Yes, I did. In Bogota, Colombia. Uh, then I moved to the U.S. Um, I start, you know, have small jobs. I try really hard, to be honest, to to get into the industry, into the aviation industry as an engineer. I apply, I don't know, I will say 500 times. I, yeah, like 500 times to, I mean, different companies, you name it. Uh, but did you get frustrated at one point? Definitely, I did. And that's why that's what everything turned into like, okay, what are you going to do? I need to find a job. Uh, I have no luck with the aviation, so let's find something else. So while I was doing that, I decided to uh, start my, my piloting. I, I, I love aviation, and uh, as an engineer, yes, you understand a lot of things about designing, manufacturing. Uh, there is plenty of things that, that, that you understand uh, about the aircraft itself. Uh, but what about flying an aircraft? I, I want to feel it. And from that feeling, I will say that, that I start pursuing uh, the piloting career. So I joined uh, in my small town in Virginia, Leesburg, Virginia. I joined a uh, school and I start my studies uh, as a pilot. While I was a flight school. Yes, a flight school. Uh, while I was doing that, I started working for Bank of America in sales and services. Oh, you went left there. Bank of America. Nothing to do with flying. I'm just kidding. They actually have a corporate flight department. But I'm messing with you because I knew that ahead of time. Okay. So, yes, and I don't know if I can say the name, but it's okay. I just did sales and services. Uh, totally out of my field, but I find out that I was great with customers. They love me. I have, you know, the daily customers, and they would come and look for me. So while I was doing my flying school and working at the bank, um, I was back of my head I was thinking how do I how do I get to enter into aviation I want to be part of the aviation how so I, at that point I was extremely frustrated I was happy I was flying but still I want to be in the aviation industry I want to be employed by an aviation company so one of those days working at Bank of America I got this customer actually I will say um, this customer came to me I was helping 
Wait, I don't, I don't know. Just a regular transaction yeah. of a day. Yeah, yeah. A regular transaction when and this customer wasn't happy. I just could tell. I tried to make the conversation. I was doing sales, of course. I was trying to see what pro I can offer, trying to get conversation, nothing coming back from my customer. When I see there was a business link, you know, to the whole profile, and it was very interesting. I won't say the name, uh, but it was very interesting uh, for me to see the name of the company. So I started asking about, okay, what, what do your company, what, what, what is, what do your company do? What, and pretty much uh, they say just aviation. We do aviation. And they hit the spot. And that's when I start. What do you do in aviation? Do you manufacture parts, airplanes, engines? And we started just having a conversation back and forth that we were talking about aviation. And she was asking me things. I was ask, asking uh, her things when she stopped me for a second. And she said, OK, how a banker knows so much about this industry? And that's when I told her about my background, what I do, what, my flying classes, my aeronautical engineer degree. And she just pretty much told me, okay, this is my business card, contact our HR. And after that moment, I mean, yeah, two weeks after, three weeks after, if I recall well, I was, I was working for them. That's a, that's a wonderful story. I think it's great. And it probably really inspired you and gave you that confidence to say, okay, maybe I am going to actually make it in this great industry. Yes, so yeah, it started something totally different, something that my school never told me, uh, my aeronautical school never told me about procurement, what is to procure for parts, uh, what is to just, how is the customer service in the aviation industry, the different levels of customer service. So that was totally new. So pretty much was, I will say it was like a starting over. Of course, it's important to have the knowledge of the, you know, what an aircraft does, the meaning, that, that really helped me. Uh, but, but it was something that I, and I never knew what was. I didn't know what procurement was. So I started as a procurement um, person, and then I became an account executive. I had my own customer in uh, Western Europe and in South America. So you started, this all started with Sad Air. So I was not. I was in this company, but then uh, I, I was happy in the company. I was, um, finally, I was where I went to in aviation industry. It was customer service, but I was happy I was in the industry. Uh, but still, I was eager to work for a OEM, for a airplane manufacturer. I wanted to be. It, it was still in the back of my mind. So I started applying. I started looking. I, I guess, as you say, it gave me the confidence that I can make it to the industry, full into the industry. Um, so I started applying, looking at different companies, and that's how I came across Airbus. Uh, I saw a position uh, to be part of the AOG team. I applied. Uh, I got the interview, I got hired, and that's, that's why I'm here right now. And how long ago was that? This was 2017. Okay, so it's been about five years. Tell us a little bit about what you do on a day-to-day. -day. So, okay, today's day, so what I do on a daily basis, um, I have a customer base. I pretty much just provide customer support. Uh, anything that has to be with aftermarket, spare parts, uh, different OEMs, vendors, uh, we have to just to make sure that our customers, they have their parts on time, what they need all the time. Uh, you know, the last thing that we want to see is a, an AOG situation, and that's, that's pretty much what I, I avoid. And I, as I tell my customers, I tell them, like, look at me or, or see me as I'm, one of, I'm part of your personal. That's who I am. I get, yes, I'm hired by Airbus, but I'm here to help you. 
So, so that's what I do, just support. Yeah, and your engineering background must help you a lot because you actually know what you're dealing with. Oh yes, that's the, I think that's the reason why I'm here. Actually, in some point in my life, when I was really frustrated, I say to myself, why I study this? Why I'm getting so, into something that this industry doesn't like me? <laughs> I thought the industry wouldn't like me. I'm like, okay, I have my private license. I don't know if I'm gonna go for the commercial. I, I did my, my, my aeronautical engineering, but what's going on with this? So no, but, but definitely it helped me, gave me the tools to understand the, to understand the, the basic, not the basic, I will say the base of, of our industry, what we do is airplanes. And I know how an airplane flies. I know the different components. I know a lot about, so that's, that's, that's why I'm here. So what's admirable about, about you and about that is that you stuck with your goal no matter what. So you, 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 you had some challenges, you had some detours, you even derailed for a minute and, and went into another industry for a little bit, which actually ended up bringing you into aviation just by happenstance. And then you, you took that and you ran with it. And I, I think it's an important message for the audience that listens to this show because, um, and, and watches the show because they, they are the ones that are trying to figure out, or as we like to say as a pilot, navigate <laughs> their career and figure out where they're going to go next and things like that. That being said, what advice now with all that you've been through, you know, coming from another country, um, coming with a degree in something that you're interested in, but taking some time to get there. And then uh, I would take a guess and say you probably never thought you might be doing what you're doing now. You're 100% right. I never thought that I would be uh, in a customer service position at a, you know, an aircraft manufacturing aviation company. I thought I'll be working in, a, I don't know, part of the maintenance team in a hangar, designing airplane, something totally different. But what I will say is that no matter what you do in life, as long as on what it helped me to be where I am to this day, is that I always had a goal. I always saw where I wanted to be, but I didn't know how to get there. And it doesn't matter how to get there because we can plan. You can plan all you want. And plans are important, but that's not, that, that's not gonna be the, the pathway. So, so I thought it gonna go one way. I got frustrated, so I stopped many times, but I guess my eager and my goal and how I visualize myself doing is what it kept me trying, 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 trying. And, and I will say to everybody that listens to this podcast that no matter what, just keep visualizing. Where do you see yourself? Keep that goal in mind. Never let anybody say, you know what, that's not for you. They don't know. You know, if you see it, you know it's there. And the way, the, 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 the route, the anything will come. Life will make it happen for you. So don't worry about that. Just keep trying, keep trying, keep trying, and, and you will get it. That's what I would say. So Airbus is a great company, and uh, Sad Air is a part of that uh, with what you do. What do you see down the road for you now that you're kind of in with uh, one of the big boys? Wow. Uh, so I love working from Sater. Uh, there is so many options, to be honest with you. It's a, I'm in a challenging position. Uh, I, I'm such a self-driven person. Sometimes I think to myself, I think um, about 
like I can't, I, I can't get as high as I can, as I want, pretty much. So sometimes I try to ground my, my. So my the sky feet. is truly the limit. Uh, as corny as that sounds. Yes, <laughs> I know, <laughs> but but um, I will I will love to to of course. Um, I would love to, to be part of a management team. Uh, I, like, I would like to stay in the customer service. I, 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 I like helping people. I like helping customers. I love uh, providing solutions for our customers. And at some point, I would like to be a part of a, a management team where I can, you know, I have a group of people. And, and I think listening from other people's like solutions, different ideas, that fills me. I, I love that when I'm with our teams and we all throwing ideas. The craziest one are the ones like, wow, how this person came out with this? This is awesome. So I think I would love to be part of a team, an innovative team, something that we can create, something that building new ideas. Uh, oh, oh, of course, always uh, finding uh, the ways where we can find the focus uh, for our customers. How can we help our customers? Yeah, your, your passion, your enthusiasm, is contagious uh, and and I think you have a really bright future I do appreciate you uh, taking the time to, to talk about that and to, to be forthcoming about the challenges that you had but how well you're doing now and how much you're enjoying it so I wish you the best thank you Vincent, and thank you for doing this and thank you for actually uh, I know there is a lot of women and young men that they may think that they are stuck please don't never think you're stuck as long as you have that goal in mind that dream something is going to change in life. Just keep thinking that it's going to happen and it will happen and don't pay attention how. That doesn't matter. Absolutely. Well said. Thank you very much. Believing in yourself and hanging in there is half the battle and seems to be the theme on all levels. Even with the odds not working in her favor, Jamie Garcia, now an account director for Satair, an Airbus company, finally got the stars to align and look at her now. Well, that was a lot of fun, catching up with everyone. Then again, anything that has to do with aviation is always fun in my book. Thank you very much for listening to this special edition from EAA Air Venture Oshkosh 2022. Remember, all of my webcast videos are available on my YouTube channel and my Facebook page. Just search Private Air Media Group or All Things Aviation and Aerospace. And all of my audio-only podcast versions are available to listen to on Apple or Spotify or your favorite podcast app. For all things aviation and aerospace, I'm Vince Mickens with the Private Air Media Group. Please be sure and subscribe. Until our next flight, take care, stay safe, blue skies.